Welcome to the Flourish Heights podcast, made for women by women. I'm your host, Valerie Adjamine, women's health dietitian and the founder of Flourish Heights. To be empowered in health starts with a true connection with your body. Together, we are breaking through topics surrounding periods, women's nutrition, body awareness, self-care, and much more. Let's flourish and be the best version of ourselves. Hey ladies, welcome back. Love that you're here and happy heart month. Last week, I joined the American Heart Association, Go Red for Women and millions of people to raise awareness for heart disease. And this topic alone has affected so many people that I love very dearly. So it is only right to be a part of this movement. And I'm so glad to be able to shine the light on it today. But before we get into the episode, ladies, I know I say this in every (laughs) single episode, but seriously, just please, please take one minute to leave a great review and rating, especially if you're listening from Apple or Spotify and you have no idea how helpful it is for us to reach more women. Just do us this big favor. Thank you. Mean it. You're the best. Okay, we have a special guest, Ashley Reaver, who is here to share incredible insights and tips on how to lower cholesterol, which is one of the biggest risk factors for heart disease. Now, Ashley is a registered dietitian who has helped hundreds and hundreds of people around the country to lower their cholesterol. So this really is her jam. Like we got we got the best of the bunch. Okay, so you might have come across her tips on Instagram or seen her featured in a news article. You are going to love her and you might know someone who has heart disease or high cholesterol. So change someone's life today and pass along this episode to them. Let's help each other out. All right, ladies, let's get into the episode. Hey, Ashley, it's so good to have you back again with the Flourish Heights community. I mean, you joined us like, was this before the pandemic or after? Like, was it 2020 or be- after that? I think it was I think after it might have been, yeah, after, maybe 2021. But thanks after. so much for having me back again, Valerie. Yeah. So Ashley joined us for a Girl Chat Live. We talked about <laughs> cholesterol. And this has to just be like the topic of every year because honestly, it's not talked about enough. And so many people don't even know they have high cholesterol, but it's like, we need to talk about it. Cause it's like, you know, it's, I mean, a risk factor, high cholesterol mm-hmm. for, for heart disease. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but Ashley, thanks for coming to the show for the first time. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm Ashley Reaver. I'm a registered dietitian and have been for 12, 13, 14 years, somewhere in there. Um, I haven't counted that in a while. Maybe I should update my intro before I get on podcast next time. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You can, you're all good over here. <laughs> um, I have a private practice where I really specialize in helping people lower their cholesterol levels. And in addition to doing that, um, I, or I should say as part of that, I have a self-paced course and program um, that I offer. And in addition to my private practice, I am an instructor at um, University of California, Berkeley, as part of our dietetics program, um, which just became a master's program this year. So that's really exciting to teach the next wave of dietitians. I am wrapping up my fifth year teaching, which is very exciting. No, that is very exciting. And congratulations. And I love how like this is your specialty area because I can't even count like how many RDs I know that just solely focus on 
you know, helping people lower their cholesterol level, which is so important. It's very confusing and it's super mm-hmm. overwhelming with all of the misinformation online that tell you, oh, eat this to avoid high cholesterol or eat this to lower it or eat this to, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, and exactly. So- there are lots of people that dabble. But when I decided to shift my focus to this, maybe four, three or four years, I think four years ago, 2020, um, I was really amazed that there wasn't anyone that specialized in this in particular, especially um, for women and cholesterol for women is often like almost treated as like a little secret. If you have Mm. high cholesterol, you know, most people think about high cholesterol being an old man's disease. Yeah. And that's (laughs) certainly not the case. Um, Just as many women have high cholesterol as men. And for something that impacts, you know, almost a third of all adults in the United States, there really are garbage resources out there as far as, you know, comprehensive plan to help people lower their levels. Um, So I was super excited to really bring one of the first programs out there that focuses just on cholesterol. Oh my goodness. And I did not know that it affected a third of people. Like I've, I always hear the statistic around, you know, like heart disease is women's number one killer or, you know, American Heart Association did this survey some time ago and they found that 76% of women just don't know their cholesterol levels. So mm-hmm. tell me, I mean, when you hear these statistics and you, you know, you work with people who have high cholesterol every day, I mean, like what comes to mind? Yeah, well, you know, that stat of it being so prevalent, about 95 million adults just in the United States have high cholesterol. Um, And that's an estimate because we certainly know that not everyone gets their blood tested regularly. Um, So let this be a plug that it's worth going and getting a yearly physical for the sole purpose of getting your cholesterol levels and your glucose levels tested. Um, And yeah, you know, a lot of, I would say it's a blend of people that maybe have known that their cholesterol levels are high um, for years or decades, and they've tried a lot of different things. They're consistently asking their doctor to give them six more months to try something new to get it down before starting medication. Um, Or people that have gone to the doctor, especially right after the pandemic, um, you know, hadn't really been out of the house in two years, went to the doctor, now have really high cholesterol, and have just never really considered what they were eating before. Um, so definitely a blend of people that I enjoy working with. Um, and I would say, you know, it's important also to caveat that there are certain genetic conditions like hyper or excuse me, familial hypercholesterolemia that really predisposes some people to just have very, very high levels of cholesterol, basically since super young in life. So if your very first blood test when you were 16, 18, 21, you know, your total cholesterol levels were over 300 and usually LDL is over 190. Um, you might be someone that has that uh, genetic component and it's worth getting your DNA tested just to verify that. That is really, really high. So familial hypercholesterolemia, say it three times. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> I know. Still, I, I, my tongue gets twisted familial and I say it so many hyper- times every day. Cholesterol, emia. Okay. Okay, guys, get your routine labs done because, hey, I've been seeing some of y'all in these sessions, client sessions that I do. And, you know, I'll be like, when was the last time you got your labs? Oh, um, before the pandemic. Okay, guys, I know. it's It was crazy. Yeah. We were in COVID, couldn't go outside, but we're past that now. Get to your doctors, yeah. get that routine labs, your insurance. And for cholesterol, <laughs> it's super important because it's not like you can look in the mirror or stand in on a scale or poke your finger necessarily to get get those numbers. The only way that you're going to know if you have high cholesterol is through those blood tests. Um, so it's important to do them. There's a reason that they're in those, uh, you know, checkups that you would have with your doctor. That's uh, standard panel. 
So Ashley, let's break it down a bit. Um, the lipid panel, which determines whether or not you have cholesterol. So we know LDL, we say it's the bad cholesterol, HDL, total cholesterol. And then there's like the ratios and all that. Like break it down. What does it even mean? Um, what should we be looking for? And then also just some doctors may see that it's elevated, but don't say it. They don't say anything. Don't do mm -hmm. anything. So is that still a concern for a woman? Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of looking overall at the lipid panel, a standard lipid panel has your LDL, low density lipoprotein, uh, high density lipoprotein is HDL, triglycerides, which is essentially you know, kind of just fat in the body. About 95% of the fats that we eat um, are in the form of triglycerides and it's primarily how we store fat in the body. Um, and then lastly, total cholesterol. And total cholesterol is you know kind of a combination of all three of those. LDL is traditionally called our quote unquote bad cholesterol. Um, and really LDL is just the vessel, so to speak, that carries that cholesterol around in the body. Um, and it, you know, has this association with being more harmful to heart health if it's elevated because that cholesterol in LDL is, you know, if it's really high for a long period of time, especially if there's other risk factors involved, can be shuttled into the lining of our blood vessels. And that's what ultimately can start to accumulate, could become calcified pretty hard and form those plaques that can lead to a heart attack or stroke. Um, that LDL is, again, kind of what's part of the standard panel, but we are seeing a shift in what um, kind of quote unquote standard looks like now. ApoB is something that's becoming much more common to test, especially for people with high levels of cholesterol. Um, and it's that ApoB in particular that's on LDL that plays that role in shuttling that cholesterol into that, um, you know, that sensitive lining of our blood vessels. So sometimes you'll see ApoB tested. Um, we find it primarily on LDL, but we can also find it on other derivatives of LDL, um, VLDL and ILDL in particular. And then there's a new marker called LP little a. This is largely genetic. We don't um, see any influence on or any changes in LP little a based on lifestyle or medication. Um, but again, it's high in that, or it has that ApoB compound on it that can influence whether or not your body, um, you know, is likely to be shuttling some of that cholesterol where we don't necessarily want it. Um, HDL, that quote unquote good cholesterol is just a cholesterol scavenger. Again, thinking about LDL and HDL, just as things that carry cholesterol around. Um, LDL basically is somewhere, some, something that can take it where we don't want it. Whereas HDL, you can think about it as it goes and picks it up and takes it back to the liver where hopefully it gets changed around into something that's not quite as potentially harmful. Um, and then, yeah, your total cholesterol, like I said, is basically a combination of LDL, HDL, and triglycerides. And I usually recommend that people don't focus so much on that total cholesterol because, you know, the kind of standard cutoff for total cholesterol is ideally less than 200 milligrams per deciliter, but you could have really high LDL and really low HDL and still fall underneath that 200 threshold. So instead, really focusing on having your LDL below a certain number and your HDL above a certain number is a better way, in my opinion, to navigate that. Um, and then there's a, you know, a standard cutoff for triglycerides as well. Usually, usually it's less than 150, um, but triglycerides kind of as low as we can get them is a good thing. Uh, and I didn't mention, I guess, cutoff points for HDL. Ideally, it's above 40 for men and 50 for, for 
54 women, excuse me. And then LDL is an interesting one. There's kind of three different cutoffs for that. Um, depending on your other risk factors, and we can certainly get to that next, you know, some doctors might be comfortable with LDL less than 130. Other doctors, and I'd say more of kind of a, a standard, just generic recommendation is trying to get LDL less than 100. And then some doctors really want to be aggressive with LDL and have it less than 70. And that certainly takes into consideration other risk factors that someone might have for developing um, cardiovascular disease, including family history. So those kind of three cutoffs are, good, again, a good reason to speak with your physician to see, you know, my lab test, it says I'm normal, but am I normal based on, you know, what your doctor might recommend considering your whole health holistically, not just this one number. Wow. That is Sorry, definitely that a lot. lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you did such a great job breaking it down. And so it's interesting because some doctors may get the lipid panel, but not like all the other type of like categories. I mean, so do you think some doctors ignore other? I mean, like, I don't know, like, what have you seen in your practice? Have you like noticed that maybe they're just getting lipid panel, but not the other ones? Are there certain signs where it's like, oh, they like they may miss it? Or I mean, I don't know. It's it, it just seems like um, what you mentioned was so comprehensive, but it's not often something that I even may, might see in somebody's like standard labs. Yeah, I think, you know, the standard lipid panel of LDL, HDL, sometimes you see VLDL in there, um, triglycerides and total cholesterol. It's just part of this kind of standard panel that would be run that also probably has your fasting blood glucose in it, maybe HbA1c or hemoglobin A1c for glucose metabolism. Um, I would say that is like baseline. And then if your doctor is, um, you know, wanting to dig a little bit deeper, maybe your LDL level is really high and they want to learn more about that number or really have a better understanding of your risk, then they might go forward and, um, you know, include some of those other labs. Or if there is a really strong family history there, um, or, you know, you start working with a cardiologist um, or lipid specialist, they might include those ones. But, you know, the base level test of LDL, HDL, total cholesterol and triglycerides is a good place to start. That's good enough. Um, because truth, you know, we are, science is great because we're always probably going to continue improving these diagnostic tools that we have. Yeah. Um, so for example, this ApoB, ApoB being high is, is probably a better indication than just having high LDL if it is really something that you need to get your hands on. But that doesn't mean that LDL is a bad indicator. Um, if your ApoB is high, there's a really, really good likelihood that or strong likelihood that your LDL is also really high since we find most of this ApoB on LDL. So if you don't get those tested, it doesn't mean that we've really missed something or you shouldn't um, you know, trust those results by any means. But usually, again, that first base level test is enough to get an idea if it's something that you should really start focusing on, or is it something that, you know, again, in three years, we test it again, and then we'll make another decision if, if you're still good, or if it's something that you want to start working on then. So what are some things that elevate, like, what are, what are the factors that um, influence LDL? Apart from um, like, yes. genetics and things like that? Sure. Um, so a couple of things can go into that genetics. I, you know, apart from that, I do think it's important to mention that just because of that small subset of people that have hypercholesterol, familial hypercholesterolemia, there I am again, tripping over it, FH. <laughs> um, it's a small percentage of, um, the overall population, but it is roughly eight to 10% of people that have high cholesterol, um, may have one or two, um, 
may have inherited one or two genes for that disease. Um, outside of that, age is really the number one factor that we see. So as someone ages, their likelihood of having high cholesterol also increases. Um, but dietary factors and lifestyle factors certainly can have a really big role. Um, in particular, we always hear about three nutrients that can influence cholesterol. The first one, dietary cholesterol, um, is really, it, it doesn't necessarily make sense because they both have cholesterol in the name, but it doesn't have a huge impact on our cholesterol levels. Um, we can only find dietary cholesterol in animal foods because animals, just like humans, are producing cholesterol naturally. Mm -hmm. um, but when we eat cholesterol, we don't directly absorb that into our bloodstream. We have to break that down just like we would break down and digest any other fats and our body gets to decide what it does with that. So um, it does have a small impact, maybe about 10% for some people. Um, genetics may have an influence there where they might be a lot more sensitive to that. Um, but usually dietary cholesterol is not something to, to really, really stress about. So I feel like, you know, whenever people hear about cholesterol in the media, it's because eggs have come up in another study and like every five years or oh, so the we go back and eggs. Damn it. Yeah, on whether or not you should eat <laughs> eggs because they're high in cholesterol. The um, but again, dietary cholesterol, not the most important thing for your own cholesterol levels. Um, the other two nutrients, one we want to try and keep on the lower side and one we want to try and get um, on the higher side. So the first one, saturated fat is the nutrient that we want to try and keep um, on the lower side depending on your calorie intake, most people should stay somewhere between 15 and 20 grams per day or less of saturated fat. And for people that have high cholesterol, this saturated fat is important because for individuals that have elevated levels, most likely they are more sensitive to saturated fat, having an impact on essentially how the liver can remove cholesterol from the bloodstream, in particular, the, this LDL our primary carrier of that ApoB, that apolipoprotein B. Um, and this one comes up all the time, you know, of families that eat the same foods, but one spouse has really high cholesterol and the other one doesn't. Um, and just assuming that, sure, there's, you know, it must be genetic, there's nothing I can do. And, you know, again, it's really that small category of those people that have that familial hypercholesterolemia where unfortunately lifestyle probably isn't going to have a really big impact. Um, but for individuals that don't have incredibly, incredibly high levels of cholesterol, watching that saturated fat intake, is going to be really important. Again, if you have elevated cholesterol, there's probably a strong likelihood that you're much more sensitive to saturated fat than others that don't have high cholesterol. Um, and we find saturated fat in a lot of animal products. It is one of the primary... You know, 50, 50 or more type of fat that we find in animal foods, um, animal products like half and half heavy cream, you know, butter, ice cream, those types of things also have it. Um, sneaky plant sources are coconut chocolate or cocoa butter and palm. Um, and then the other nutrient that's super important is dietary fiber. And um, it's some crazy number, like 8% of adults eat their recommended amount of fiber in the United States per day. 8% is very low. And this isn't, you know, we have a lot of people overshooting it. This is people reaching the baseline goal, which for women is 25 grams per day. And for men is 38 grams per day. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of reasons that I'm thankful to not be a male, but trying to get 38 grams of fiber each day is one of them because that's, that's really, lot. really difficult. That's a <laughs> lot of fiber. Um, 
<laughs> right. And, um, you know, for fiber, it's a specific type of fiber is also really helpful. Soluble fiber is a type of fiber that swells in contact with water. Um, but just reaching towards that 25 grams per day for women is super important. And again, most people aren't getting anywhere close to that. Um, and one thing that I always like to say just about eating patterns or diets in general is, you know, the most common styles of eating that we have in the United States, while the foods may be different or um, morality that someone applies to those foods might be different. We still have this central issue of taking in too much saturated fat and not enough fiber. So our standard American diet, heavy on meat, low on vegetables. So high in saturated fat, low in fiber this wild craze of carnivore diet right now is completely devoid of fiber because we only get fiber from plants. Um, so it's super, super high in saturated fat, no fiber whatsoever. Keto diet, same story, really high in saturated fat, no fiber coming in. If you're not eating carbohydrates, same thing's true of low carb, not quite as intense. Um, you can still have some vegetables on low carb, but that specific type of fiber, that soluble fiber, you really only find in grains, uh, beans, and then some nuts and seeds. Um, and even, you know, people that fall into this like clean eating or paleo kind of mindset typically are consuming a lot of animal protein. So we're going to have a lot of saturated fat and aren't consuming very much of those green grains and beans type things um, because someone on Whole30 said, let's cut them out. Um, so again, have really high in saturated fat, <laughs> really low in soluble <laughs> fiber. Um, and these are five very different kind of categories of eating or diet, so to speak. But those two nutrients are still so central, which is why we have so many people that have high cholesterol. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, so how can fluctuating hormones affect cholesterol levels in women? You know, say for someone who is experiencing menopausal symptoms, because I often hear like around that time, you know, mm -hmm. more people have, you know, higher cholesterol levels, or like when someone's pregnant, or just any other types of examples you may have. Yeah, I think menopause and, and pregnancy or breastfeeding are two of the best examples. So um, we do know that cholesterol levels increase with age again, but that's, you know, for both men and women, age is the number one risk factor. Um, but for women in particular, as our bodies start to produce fewer hormones, we have more cholesterol laying around. You know, one of the reasons that um, our body naturally produces cholesterol, uh, we have all of the machinery needed to make cholesterol from anything that provides energy. So protein, carbs, fat, or alcohol um, is because we need cholesterol for so much stuff. One of those is the production of our hormones, our sex hormones, and our stress hormones um, and vitamin D. Um, so as we're no longer making as many sex hormones, we don't necessarily have a place for this cholesterol to go, so to speak. Um, cholesterol is something that is a building block for every single cell in our body. So anytime you are in an anabolic phase, like you're in a building or growth phase, our body has a place for, um, a bigger place for that cholesterol to go. Um, and with age, you know, unfortunately, we are no longer kind of growing and building. We start to shrink away a little bit. Our muscles were naturally losing muscle mass uh, about 10% per decade. Um, our body systems aren't necessarily continuing to improve. Um, so that cholesterol is just something that 
we're still producing it. We just don't have quite as much to do with it. Um, on the flip side of that, during pregnancy and breastfeeding, cholesterol levels, in particular triglyceride levels during breastfeeding, are elevated. Um, and that's because that excess cholesterol is going towards building a whole new human. Um, so that's mm -hmm. a that's a normal thing that we would expect. Women that are breastfeeding can probably expect their cholesterol um, cholesterol levels, especially those triglycerides, to stay elevated until like the tail end of breastfeeding when maybe it's just one to two feeds a day um, mm -hmm. once they're no longer the primary food supply for baby, but they can stay elevated through the entirety of someone's breastfeeding journey. Wow. That is, that's amazing. Yes. But then it's like the other side is like, oh gosh, that's, that's rough. So then what, what are, what do they need to be doing? I mean, is there anything that someone needs to be doing to lower it? Or is that even, does it go back to normal? Like after you're done breastfeeding? Yeah. Well, it would be really great if life went completely back to normal post breastfeeding. <laughs> I, <know>. um, <laughs> I just, um, I had a son since we last talked, he's 16 months. I stopped breastfeeding him in January. Um, and I can certainly say that my diet does not come as easily as it did mm. before. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's definitely just an acknowledgement of maybe this wasn't a problem that you had to think about before. You know, a lot of people, nutrition is maybe something that they kind of contemplate, but the act of intentionally including certain foods that are high in some nutrients is not something that people have really had to do until they get something like a high cholesterol um, report back from blood work. Um, so it does go back down a bit after breastfeeding, but again, there's a lot of other life changes that have happened that might result in that being higher. Um, so implementing those dietary changes of just trying to be mindful of how much saturated fat that you're taking in, um, as well as really working hard on boosting that fiber intake, lifestyle-wise are two of the best things that can happen. Um, and that can certainly, it's fine to make those dietary changes while you're pregnant, as well as while you're breastfeeding. It's not going to impact pregnancy. In fact, eating more fiber could really help with that um, constipation that especially comes in the last couple of months of pregnancy. Um, and, and then, you know, exercise is also important. And it is really difficult to keep up the same level of activity when you're mm -hmm. now caring for this small, helpless baby. Even when they get older, you don't find time to go do anything really for yeah. an hour or two hours by yourself. Um, so just thinking about moving in realistic ways, you know, I always say a baseline, a bit uh, amount of movement should be walking for 30 minutes per day. And if you have time to fit in two to three strength training sessions a week for 20 to 30 minutes, they can be body weight. It doesn't have to be intense CrossFit, just anything that can help you regain and maintain that muscle mass that we all lose during pregnancy is really important too. Such great tips. So very briefly, what are like your top two or three like cholesterol nutrition myths that you want to debunk? Yeah, I think eggs are a big one that comes up all oh, the yeah. time. <laughs> um, and this we can bucket with the you know whole dietary cholesterol thing. Um, I'm from Maryland and I do see uh, have patients in Maryland as well. We eat a lot of crabs in Maryland. And the amount of times I've heard, you know, my cholesterol levels high because I had crabs before my blood test, like it's absurd. It's a very Maryland problem. Um, or maybe in Long uh, or in uh, New England if you eat lobster. But those, you know, shellfish, shrimp, lobster, crawfish, if you eat them, are um, high in dietary cholesterol, just like eggs. Mm -hmm. um, but as I said before, that dietary cholesterol, you know, maybe has about a 10% of a 10% impact. 
we're not absorbing 100% and it directly going into our bloodstream. Um, and I like, you know, that can be a big distraction for people of trying to avoid these foods that are high in dietary cholesterol, but are pretty low in saturated fat. And instead choosing to eat something like chicken that, uh, or I don't know, any other type of meat. I, w- I don't want to say that they're bad, but eating another type of meat that has more saturated fat because their eyes are on the wrong goalpost. They're mm-hmm. looking at dietary cholesterol and eggs, not looking at the saturated fat and these other protein sources. Um so that's a big one. And, you know, one myth I also like to say is that cholesterol is the same in beef in chicken in pork and in fish. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes people think, you know, if you have high cholesterol, I have to eat less chicken. It's because there's less saturated fat. It has the exact same amount of that dietary cholesterol that you're going to find in beef. Um, other things that I've heard about high cholesterol are that you have to avoid fruit, which is definitely not the case. Fruit is a great source of fiber. It's also, a, some fruits are also a really good source of that soluble fiber, that specific type of fiber um, that I didn't go into it, but essentially increases the amount of cholesterol that our body can use. And it's one of the only things that does that. Um, apples, citrus and berries are really good sources of that soluble fiber. Um, and I'd say maybe the last one is just, you know, that this is a big one that if someone has a family history of high cholesterol, meaning that maybe their siblings had high cholesterol, or their parents had high cholesterol, just automatically assuming that there's absolutely nothing they can do about it. Um, we do obviously inherit our genetics, but we also inherit a lot of our food practices. So the foods that you include on your plate, every day or multiple times a week, those are largely learned things. Um, The foods that you think are weird and never eat, the foods that you celebrate with. Um, So if you are eating in a similar way to your siblings or to your parents, then it's very, very similar, or it's very, very likely that you're going to have pretty similar health conditions um, like high cholesterol. This is so good. Okay. Supplements like fish oil, like share more about it because I think we have like there's some mixed information out there. Some people think it's actually, you know, making cholesterol worse. Some people think it's mm-hmm. helpful. I mean, like help set the record straight. Yeah. So um, they are allowed to put that cute little heart on fish oil bottles, because if you have very elevated levels of um, triglycerides, it can help to bring those down. Um, but for HDL cholesterol, the if there is any impact, you know, maybe one to 2% of a boost in HDL, it's probably not worth it because you could also increase your LDL by 10% on fish oil. Wow. So, okay. you know, you're improving a tiny, tiny problem, but you might be making a larger one um, elsewhere with that LDL. But again, for people that have really high triglyceride levels that can't bring them down normally, fish oil supplements, in my opinion, that's the only time that I would ever recommend them. And of course, I'd want to make sure we're making plenty of other changes um, to their diet as well. But if you want to take a supplement for cholesterol, by far the best one is a fiber supplement, in particular, one of those soluble types of fibers, Um, just because there is such a massive gap between where we should be getting our fiber and where, or I should say how much fiber we get in and where most people are today. Um, so if you're going to spend your money, that's probably the one that I'd say, or instead just put a little bit more money in your grocery bill each week, trying to focus on those types of foods that can naturally give you those fibers and you're going to be eating food anyways. I really appreciate you breaking things down for our listeners. (laughs) And while we are here, 
I want to know, Ashley, what are maybe two or three things that our listeners can do today to help support their heart, help to lower cholesterol if they're dealing with that, um, and just support a healthy lifestyle? Yeah, I think you know, even though I'm a dietitian, I obviously think food is so important, but I do think that there are a lot of different ways people can eat um, that can still lead to healthiness, quote unquote. But I don't think that you can achieve that if you're not moving your body regularly. Um, mm-hmm. So being active every day and whatever that looks like for you, just moving your body, trying to get your heart rate elevated and keeping it there for a bit. Um, again, those 30 minute walks per day, if we had a pharmaceutical that could replace the benefits of a 30 minute walk, like that would be the most sold supplement ever. There's just nothing that we can do that can replicate the benefits of that for our body. Um, and if you don't like walking or can't walk, finding another type of movement that you can do that you enjoy, um, incredibly, incredibly important, not just for your cholesterol, your blood pressure, we didn't talk about that, but that's one of those factors that can increase the risk of heart disease. Managing your blood glucose levels, another thing that can influence your risk of heart disease. Um, walking is also a great thing that can support both of those. Um, and if you can, some strength training, work those muscles out. You've got them for a reason. Um, and they are super important to our overall metabolism. Um, other things that I would encourage is eating beans. Um, it is a good protein source. With one swap, eating beans instead of an animal protein is going to increase your fiber intake and decrease your saturated fat. So those two things that we want to focus on for cholesterol. Um, But again, really trying to get towards that fiber goal is so, so key. Um, And then the last thing that I would say is just work on being happy. It's certainly easier said than done. We can't always control the things that life throws at us, but hopefully we can control our response to them. Um, And I also think just like exercise, we can't really discount the impact of your outlook or your mindset um, has a humongous impact on how we approach everything in life. I really appreciate you for coming on and sharing these amazing tips. And you just broke it down so easy for us to understand. And this is why we had to have you on. You are just (laughs) that girl. You are the it girl. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for letting me ramble and talk so much. There's so much that I feel like has to be said because there's a void of information that is just getting filled with wrong stuff. And it's confusing so many people out there. It really is. And so with that, we have one last question. We ask all of our special guests that come on to the show. And that is, how do you flourish? Ooh, I really like cooking and eating. So that's probably it. Um, Getting creative in the kitchen, creating delicious meals that I can share with my family brings me a lot of joy. Also, you know, nourishes my body in a way that I hope sets me up for success long term. Um, I I do plan to be around for a while. Yes. And I love you. Hello, foodie over here. So I just have to know, like, what what's been like on your your like, what's your next thing you're cooking? Um, well, I just picked up some tuna steaks from the fish market this morning. That's near um, campus. I haven't mm-hmm. been. I used to live right next to it, and I haven't been there in two years. So I'm super excited to go home and make some nice fat tuna steaks for dinner tonight. <laughs> Oh, that sounds so good. I love, I love fish, anything fish. So, and now I'm trying to get people to eat more sardines. Y'all, the omega-3s in sardines, okay, are like up the roof. 
I know you guys are like, ew, but like, it is so good. Add it to a pasta sauce. I feel like that's one great way to get it in without like noticing the fishiness or the texture. Yes. Yeah. I, I am... like making it into like tuna salad is also, yeah. you're not really going to notice. It. It's going to taste like, you know, onion, celery, and mayonnaise basically. Um, <laughs> and we're all used to kind of how tuna salad tastes. So that's a good way to slide it into. 10 fish is in. 10 fish is in. <laughs> Ashley, thank you so much for being here. You're incredible. And you guys get moving, add more fiber, all of that good stuff to lower your cholesterol or to support your cholesterol levels and keep your heart healthy. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Ashley. If you enjoyed today's episode with Ashley on how to lower your cholesterol levels, please, ladies, leave a five-star reading and review. Just help us reach more women. Share this episode and the podcast with a girlfriend and make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss a bi-weekly episode from us. Thank you so much for listening. We always have the best times together. I'll catch you next time. But until then, keep flourishing.